Hey, this is Stan from the most popular girls in school. I know, right? Impressive. You will listen to the PS tape recorder. Enjoy it. Then give me a call. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, part two of our interview with Andy McCluskey from OMD, as this week English Electric is released worldwide. Andy talks about, among other things, how OMD went from being near penniless to being fairly well off via accountancy. I changed accountants in 1990. After a few uh, records, you know, album statements, he kind of, people called me up one day and he said, you know, there's, I mean, there's something funny about your statements from the record companies. We'll hear more from Andy in just a bit. Fangirl reviews the Pierce the Veil show in Cincinnati last week, but first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. The City Council of Rancho Mirage, California is set to vote on a proposal that would ban drones in residential areas, what could be the first law of its kind in California. The proposed ordinance bans the flying of unmanned aircraft that can fly under the control of a remote pilot or by a geographic positioning system guided autopilot mechanism up to 400 feet above areas zoned residential. The NRA is unsure if this law is a swipe at tyranny or a way to restrict flying guns. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban said he would consider drafting Baylor's Brittany Griner, which would make her the first woman to play in the NBA. A few years back, Nancy Lieberman played in the minor league but still professional USBL, making her the first woman to play pro basketball in America. Dennis Rodman opened the door in the late 80s by being the first man dressed as a woman to play pro basketball. Baby steps. It's the Martian version of Spring Break. Curiosity and Opportunity, along with their spacecraft friends circling overhead, will take it easy this month because of the sun's interference. For much of April, the sun blocks the line of sight between Earth and Mars, making it difficult for engineers to send instructions or hear from the flotilla in orbit and on the surface of Mars. The craft are expected to stay put this spring, though NASA scientists fear they may run off with James Franco. The NFL Draft takes place Thursday, April 25th, and with still over three weeks to go, the league and fans are excited and wildly speculating about who will be selected when. In other news, the league is considering ending the Pro Bowl, the all-star exhibition game now played the week before the Super Bowl. Many fans and the media claim the game is meaningless and boring. So to recap, the National Football League is going to get rid of an actual game and hype three days of some guy reading names every 10 to 15 minutes. Riveting stuff. Fed up with an annual tradition of segregated proms, a group of students in a small Georgia town are hosting their own prom this year, and it will be integrated. In Georgia, proms are organized by private groups, like parents, and not by the actual school. But since Wilcox County is the last county in Georgia that's still in the mid-20th century, uh, that has meant separate proms for black and white students. That was made for some awkward, stinging moments over the years. Last year, for example, a biracial student was turned away from a white dance, but later told he could stay for half of it. President Obama apologized to California Attorney General Kamala Harris for commenting Thursday on her looks, an aide said this past Friday. During a fundraiser in California, Obama praised Harris's work and added that she also happens to be by far the best-looking attorney general in the country. As the crowd reacted, the president said, It's true! Come on! The president placed the call Thursday night before going to bed on the White House couch. And here's an alternate joke for that one. Um, as the crowd reacted, the president said, It's true, come on. When Mitt Romney was reached for comment, he said, I'd like to have her in my binder. Take your pick. 
And finally, residents of Mayflower, Arkansas may not be able to return to their homes until next month after an oil pipeline break last week sent thousands of barrels of heavy crude into the streets and yards of the community. Two property owners in the neighborhood filed a federal class action lawsuit against ExxonMobil, owners of the pipeline. The oil giant released a statement ridiculing the lawsuit and insisting that the community was now energy independent. And that's been Fake News with me. <laughs> Hey yo, it's Fangirl. Hey, there it is. Third time's a charm. All right. Um, so we went and saw the Big Pierce the Veil show. Well, it was the Big Pierce. It sold out. That's <laughs> well, a big yeah. show. I know. It's just funny. All right. So, um, gosh, where do we start here? Well, maybe, let me get your your thoughts, Fangirl. My thoughts? Yes. My thoughts were that it was a it's really... Your segment. It was a really weird opening act lineup. Yes. Because if you went there and just saw the opening acts, you would hate the hardcore scene for the rest of your life. I was going to say, <laughs> that is the biggest disparity I've ever seen between opening acts and the main act ever in terms of talent. No, it was with, it was that way with Never Shout Never too. Never Shout Never had really weird opening acts that nobody had ever heard of and they were... But they weren't, off, they weren't awful. They were just weird. Well, this was the worst. This was weird. <laughs> this is well, awful. The pro- But the weirdest part was everyone really, really liked the opening acts. Like, even the... Like, the main opening act, I can understand what people liked them. But the first two opening acts that were there, too, everyone was obsessed with them. And everyone knew all their songs. And everyone was, like, raising their hands, like, yeah, I got your album. And I just, it didn't make any sense. Because if you're there for Pierce the Veil, you're not going to be here for these, like, angsty bands that were on ahead of time. You're going to be there for, like, they're girly hardcore. Like, honestly, they describe it themselves. <laughs> of Mice and Men, they're really brutal. And they always say they go hard in the paint, you know, because they're all, like brutal pierce the is always like we're not like that we go hard in the pastels and that's so true because they're not like they're not like a sissy band but they're they're just they're not hardcore at all the uh makes sense the very opening act was the issue it's called and my issues. it's issues correction. issues what issues correction issues correction no <laughs> <laughs> no I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm winding you up uh it's just it's just it's just issues okay anyway what do you want to say lizzie lizzie has a comment on the opening act Okay, I seriously had to cover my ears with giant headphones on because they were so ridiculously loud. I mean, they seriously have anger issues. That's why they're called the issue. Okay, thanks, Lizzie. But uh, anyway, issues. My favorite bloke is the one on the he's the the keyboard player in quotes. (laughs) This guy has a key. Okay, so if he's facing out to you at the stage on, or if you're looking at the stage, he's got a keyboard to his left, and then in front of him he's got some kind of an effects uh, panel. And uh, he would go over to the keyboard, play a chord for about two measures, adjust it a little bit, and then just fly all over the stage. <laughs> That's was, all any of them do. He was like, awesome. Honestly. He was my favorite. Okay, so here's the um, here's the funny part is I run into uh, a guy I've known for ages. We used to work at a record store together. And he's actually about five years younger than me, but he has a daughter that's a couple months older than Fangirl. His daughter's there to see the issue. Fangirl's there mostly to see uh, Pierce the Veil. And uh, it was just strange because he said he felt like an old dad uh, at this show and thought these guys were all a bunch of screaming idiots. (laughs) And the weird thing is, is this guy used to listen to, amongst other things, Biohazard, Rage Against the Machine, and (laughs) Rollins Band. Pretty hard stuff. Some pretty, you know, intense stuff. I would say he actually had a bigger palate of uh, musical taste than even me back in the day. And I thought it weird that he didn't, he could not connect at all with anything that was going on at the show. He just stood in the back and just kind of, you know, waited for his daughter to text him and it was over. So, any other thoughts on the Pierce the Veil show? A little, well, I just, I feel really stereotypical that Pierce the Veil was the only show that I liked there because I'm a 14 year old girl with 
blonde hair and like who just doesn't get into this hardcore scene yet she really likes pierce the veil and i felt like i just that stereotype that everyone hates because it's like yeah, but you oh like- i only know pierce the veil i don't know all these other brutal bands well, i don't want to know these other brutal bands well you like, like you like more bands in that i do but category i like that. I like all the stereotypical bands to like. I don't know any well, of the more unknown I think there's a reason bands. they're stereotypical though because they're because good. they're good. That's the problem. Yeah. Like mom always talks about how she thinks that all time low is like really overrated and that people like them too much. And it's like no, they're just really good bands. Yeah, I, I think they're very good. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just it makes me feel a little weird. Same thing happens with Sleeping with Sirens because just people only know the lead singer and I happen to be the same way. But I just I don't care about getting into band politics. Like I just. Just need to know Kellen. That's he's the singer. It's important to know the singer. I don't know. There's just there's a reason that Pierce the Veil is the only band I know there, but it also makes me feel a little bad. And it's like I should have tried to get into the other bands, but I just I couldn't do it. I could not bring myself to. No, no, I enjoyed Pierce the Veil. Oh, Pierce the Veil was incredible. They were nice. They're and they're a nice, nice bunch of kids from San oh, Diego. They were so nice. They are. Oh, you met them before the show. No, yeah, I met them before the show, and yeah, they were adorable. Vic broke the rules and took uh, took a selfie with Lizzie's baby doll that she gets signed. A band baby, yeah. Band baby, band baby's so cool. If we could post pictures on the Podbean uh, page, and I'll see if again we can do that because I, I think we might be able to. We can post a picture of band baby. If not, you should post a picture of band baby on uh, check check hey photos. I'm going to. Okay, so um, everyone link that. Just go to Tumblr and what is this? check check hey dot Tumblr. Well, check check hey dot Tumblr dot com is my general music blog check check hayes photos with like it's same thing but with an s in photos cool. would be my photo blog and you have pierce the veil photos there i have one up so far because i didn't want to spam people <laughs> all right that's fine all right we'll look for that folks and um well, i guess is your segment so you should like take us out well i was in the middle of talking but anyways oh. I, continue you were in my moment <laughs> um how <laughs> What were we talking about before we got on the subject Pierce of that? the Veil. Uh, we were talking meeting about meeting them. And Band Baby. We were talking about meeting them. Okay. And that's why they're so fun to meet because all of them are so different. Vic was like, he was really sweet and he broke the rules and took a picture with Lizzie's doll. And he hugged all of us and he was just Vic, I guess. Mike? Mike's like really brutal looking on the outside, but he was the sweetest one there. He's he was all bear. like, he's, he's, a, he's a big hardcore teddy bear. And he's like, oh, how are you? What's your name? And I find it really funny. I labeled some of the signatures on my the, my frame that I get signed by all, all the bands because I didn't want to forget who wrote on it. And so he wrote Pierce the Veil next to his name. And for some reason, I thought that that was really funny. Jaime, he took Lizzie's doll and said, hey, Mr. Baby, in a really deep voice. And I think that that just made the whole night better. And I don't know why. And he let me feel his hair, which I felt really creepy for doing. I felt that was another stereotypical girl moment that I, but I had to feel his hair. Yeah, they were all, they were just all really sweet. I thought it was going to be really rushed. It was a lot better than all time low though. Cause you were just like, you couldn't even say anything. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. Don't speak, just get autographed. Yeah, pretty All right. much. All right, well, hopefully more shows to report on soon. We have some things in the works we can't discuss at the moment, <laughs> lest we jinx them. But, yeah, seriously. Uh, okay, thank you, fangirl. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> okay, from fangirl to fanboy, here's part two of our interview with Andy McCluskey from OMD. Um, now, I... Paul had said that, you know, and you had mentioned this to me actually, I think even the first time I interviewed you, is that, you know, toward the end of the 80s, that, you know, album tour, album tour grind, and the fact that, you know, you came back to England penniless after touring with Depeche Mode really was kind of the thing that was the final blow uh, to your partnership. But um, I was wondering, is whose notion was it to go and through the books and figure out if you guys had been, hadn't gotten for all, I guess for lack of a better word, ripped off 
uh, by the record company. Because I remember it was before Sugar Tax, you had discovered that you know they owed you lots and lots of money for all these record sales that there'd been some sort of accounting error. Yeah, it was actually my accountant. I changed accountants in 1990. Oh. And um, he, after a few uh, records, uh, you know, album statements, um, he kind of, he just called me up one day and he said, you know, there was, I knew there was something funny about your statements from the record company. He said, they've been underpaying you for years. Every CD you ever sold, they paid you based upon vinyl price. And boy, did they owe us a lot of money. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't hurt that I had just released the Sugar Tax album that sold three million. So it, this was a deal-breaking cock-up by the record company. Well, cock-up in inverted commas, because one of the things you discover when you're in the music industry is that it's corporate policy to accidentally, in inverted commas, <laughs> underpay the artist. Oh, yeah. And the artist has to find it and audit and get the money back. Because if every artist that's actually in credit is underpaid by 10% accidentally, um, there's your profit margin. Yeah. And if they don't find it for two years, they can't go back and ask for it. But this was just such a catastrophic, fraudulent exercise that... Um, yeah, so Virgin ended up having to give us quite a lot of money, which actually was kind of good it worked out that way, because had we had it in the 80s, we would have spent it on... Oh, okay, that was my next question. Support, to, no, no, not on decadence, on, on tour well, no, support but, and, you know, yeah. videos and things like that. So it's, uh, um, it actually turned out to be a bit of a bonus. So you think even if you hadn't come back to England penniless, th that break was necessary for a while in the 90s? Well, I think, you know, it was certainly... A, I mean, I had to stop in the mid-90s having made three albums. Yeah, yeah. Own, it just, just, just seemed like, you know, at the height of Britpop in the 90s, there seemed to be nothing more out-of-date than a band that was perceived as an 80s synth band, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, it was probably good. Uh, but now I think it's also good that we're working again because actually, in many ways, what we're doing now seems to be kind of reclaiming our place in the kind of pantheon of popular music, particularly electronic music. And also, electronic music is now very, very, very popular. And I might have said that everything, everything's very popular. We live in yeah. this kind of postmodern kind of atomized musical landscape now. So. Well, I'm uh, really into a lot of what they call EDM, I guess is the shorthand for electronic dance music, and I always think I'm not going to like it, but I've really gotten to like people like Ellie Goulding, An Example, Labyrinth, and Avicii, and uh, I still like my guitar bands like The Vaccines. Uh, those kids are great. But um, yeah, it seems like it's electronic dance music is kind of becoming more, it's not just dance music, it does, it's still song-oriented like it was, you know, uh, in the 80s with synth pop, so. Yeah, I mean, there, there are some great um, melodic musical dance tracks out there that are that are basically, you know, they are based in electronic music. Yeah. I mean, there is still a lot of fairly, you know, stripped down, minimalist, just hardcore beats and patterns. Oh, yeah. Um, which doesn't, doesn't have much focus. And, and to be honest, you know, if I was off my face in the club and I was in my 20s, I'd love it. But it doesn't do an awful lot for me now. <laughs> yeah, well, when you're driving around or you're you're at work listening to something, yeah, you like to have a little more substance to it. Um, 
I had told this story to Paul in Chicago, and I don't know if he related it to you, but speaking of uh, the 90s, um, you had told me was when the singles came out that one of the reasons you decided to put a halt to OMD was you would, were in a record shop, and I guess it picked up a copy of maybe a Razor's uh, latest CD and thought, geez, do I need another Razor CD? And then thought, gosh, what do people think that about OMD? Well, I had asked that question to Chris Lowe of Pet Shop Boys and said, did you guys ever feel that way? He said, no, not really. We've always just kind of carried on. And then he said, and Andy McCluskey is wrong. The world does need more OMD records. <laughs> so, and which I thought was odd because I never really, I know you get, you, you two groups are never really seen kind of running in the same circles. And then speaking of just briefly of Atomic Kitten, because they seem to be kind of having some kind of revival. Uh, I remember you got into that because you thought the 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 message wasn't wrong. Maybe it was just the messenger. And uh, how good did it feel to to prove that you were actually right and getting a number one hit and actually a couple of top ten hits with those gals? Yeah, we we had a string of them actually. It was amazing, a uh, string of top ten hits. Um, yeah. And my first ever number one in the UK. That yep. Is, how stupid of me! All I needed to do was to get three good-looking girls and get them <laughs> to sing the song. There you go. <laughs> I could have had more <laughs> <laughs> um, instead of my ugly face all over the top of the top. That was fun whilst it lasted. I mean, it ended up rather, you know, in recrimination and lawsuits because yeah, the yeah. manager and the record label decided to get rid of me. But um, yeah, it was it was fun. Um, it was utterly. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I mean, I went in just as blindly naive as I had gone into the music industry in my own band uh, 20 years earlier. But um, it was, yeah, it was fun whilst it lasted, and I enjoyed, I enjoyed the freedom. I enjoyed not having to sit around worrying about, you know, whether I should sound more electronic, less electronic, whether I should embrace acoustics, whether I should go back to basics. I mean, the funny thing is, you know, these things still crop up, but it's like, I didn't have to worry about it with Atomic Kick. I mean, we've just premiered Metroland on uh, Monday. Yeah. We've got people, you know, a lot of, and a lot of people are loving it, which is really exciting. But, um, you know, we've got people taking it apart going, well, that's a really 90s kick drum. I mean, I really expected more than that, <laughs> you know. And, and it's just uh, unbelievable kind of nitpicking kind of, I guess it's probably in the same way that some people will, will look at will look at a house in, in, in the Atomic Ranch magazine and go, you know, that's not really a proper Eichler house. You know, it might have been designed by him, but it wasn't built by a company which he normally worked with. And that fireplace is just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. I, you get it everywhere. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, really, um, the, the pressure's off, though, right? I mean, you know, it's... You know, it's you, you can really make the kind of music you want to make, and and you know, if 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 there's a mistake or if you should have you know zigged when you should have zagged, you know, not too huge a deal. The fan base is there; it's still a good record, you know. But is it difficult, I guess, for uh, because I I've been listening a lot over the past couple of years to uh, Radio One because you can listen to it on the internet now, of course. And the first thing I was shocked to find is that actually Radio One isn't the most popular station in the UK. It's Radio Two, which I'm just astonished by. Because Radio 2 to me is unlistenable. And uh, even though Radio 1 irritates me a little bit with some of the young people's music, I could much more leave that on for hours and hours than I could Radio 2. And it just doesn't seem like, I guess what they would call, you know, older acts get any kind of uh, love at all from uh, from Radio 1. So is, is it difficult to kind of find the, the new audiences or to, you know, to, to get the young people involved? Yeah. I mean, Radio 1 is very specifically designed for... The younger audience. 
so they would not see us as being a core band for their target audience. Yeah. Um, I mean, slowly, you know, as the younger electronic bands are name-checking their references, we get, you know, more and more younger people. In fact, it's noticeable, actually, that in the States, we have a younger audience in the States than we do in Europe. You know, we do seem to get a lot more college and people in their 20s who've got into electronic uh-huh. music in the last 10 years. Yeah. And they have done their research and, 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 you know, somebody they like, some other band they like, has referenced us and so they've come to check us out. And that, that's, been, that's been really great. Yeah, I was surprised that um, Pet Shop Boys actually got a song up to like 37 or, and they actually played it on the chart update, which I was shocked. And uh, when um, when Phil Oakey re-entered, I guess he, he uh, Electric Dreams is an, an, an advert over there for a power company, and it re-entered the chart, and but they wouldn't play it. <laughs> so I twitted them like, Wait. yeah, well, no, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, yeah. it's, um, you know, it, it, uh, listen, when when I was twenty years old, I would listen to Radio One. I would expect them to play my band. Yeah. I would not expect them to play somebody who was in their fifties. Right. Well, yeah. You know, so that's just that's the remit of Radio One. You know, now you could argue that some of the, the particularly what we're doing on on um, English Electric is actually quite contemporary and yeah. stands alongside anything else. But it's just the fact that the guy, the band is full of fifty year olds and they're yeah. going to play it. Yeah. Well. It, it, uh, it, so yeah. So yeah. We're kind of between a rock and a hard place because. And if we do anything too radical, Radio 2 will throw their hands up in the air and go, oh, we can't play that. Well, but they don't even play... Weird, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, but they, I mean, they played uh, Sister Mary Says, I remember, and I thought, oh, this is awesome, and so did Radio Scotland, but they don't they don't play music often enough, number one. I don't know. I think the um, audience is not being I mean, addressed. It's, sorry, I don't very interrupt. Uh, I just wanted to know that, you know, you have about enough time for one more question. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, I'm, I'm cool to stay for another 15 minutes if you want to. Oh, that's great. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, as long as... Okay, I will... Yeah, that's, that's, that's fine by okay. me, but thanks for interjecting. appreciate okay. it. Okay, perfect. But, um, yeah, so so what do you... You know, now you've heard the first, now you've heard English Electric, tell me what you think, because I have done... this. You are one of the first interviews, so I'm curious okay, cool. to get feedback, if you don't mind. Um... Uh, well, first, when I, when I heard Decimal and then I heard Atomic Ranch, that's the first two tracks I heard because they were posted on that Pitchfork website. My very first question was, how did he talk Paul into this? Because I think everyone's reaction was, oh, that's a little... And I, people, some of the comments on Facebook were like, oh, it's a little Dazzle Ships-esque, isn't it? <laughs> well, the funny thing is, actually, that Paul really likes... Paul's very... Paul likes his electro, you know. I mean, yeah, yeah. He now rec- he recognizes now what we did with Dazzle Ships. I mean... None of us were happy what it, with what it did to our career, but we all recognised what a strong album it was, and even the critics now recognise oh, yeah. that it was perhaps just ahead of its time. You know. Well, there are a lot of great songs on there. I mean, if you back out the more um, conceptual stuff, you've got Telegraph, Genetic Engineering, uh, Romance of the Telescope, of all the things we made, Silent Running. I mean, those are, those are some great tunes. And um, although when you were in Chicago, you were uh, throwing out a request during soundcheck, and I almost yelled out Telegraph. But uh, as I recall, I guess you, you, you kind of soured on that song uh, after a while. No, I haven't soured on it. I just can't hit those notes anymore. Oh, uh, yeah, it is. that's a tough When I'm singing along in the car, that's a tough one to hit, i got to admit. But uh, but that's probably in my top mm. five OMD songs. Oh, right, cool. Yeah. 
And um, and then yeah, the rest of the album. Uh, it was nice to see "Kissing the Machine" again on there. I'd gotten that. Um, I didn't even realize that that was you back in the '90s. My buddy had to point it out and said, "Did you get that new Electric Music album?" And I go, "No, why?" And he goes, "That's Andy's on there." And I'm like, "No kidding." Yeah. So I'm liking that. I'm liking the the single. Um, Paul sings the one song "Stay," right? Yeah, he does "Stay with Me." Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a cool cool track. And if if you guys bring, uh, he he told me you kind of with history and modern, you kind of brought each brought an idea and, and batted it about the room, kind of like the old days. Did you guys work more closely this time on the songs, or did someone kind of bring a mostly finished song and then the other guy kind of you know just added onto a little bit? Or one thing we realized was that. <clears throat> We need, it helps if one, uh, one of us has got like the kernel of an idea, like a sound or a melody or a sequence or something, just some, uh, some rough idea. But the important thing is that we work on it together because we have to be in the same room. That's when the spark happens. When you're in the same room and you can bounce off each other and go, yeah, how about this? How about that? Yeah, what about this? What about the great idea? Let's do this. Let's do that. That is when the real um, the energy happens. Once we've once we've got the basic idea working, then we can go our separate ways again and program separately. But we made a point of getting together for several days every couple of months for the last two years to just have idea generating kind of sparking sessions. So there were there were more tracks that started pretty much with both of us. You know, I mean. The, the track Our System, you know, all I had was, was a recording of the Voyager spacecraft going through the Jupiter's magnetosphere. And I just said, this is great. We should build a song out of this. And Paul immediately got his synth out and made a noise. And I went, love that. Let's have that. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, off we went. And Metroland was, you know, Paul had a sequencer. And I said, yeah, I really like that. Yeah, we, we could stick a big crunching kind of EBM bass drum on that and drive the thing really hard. And, uh, and I was just looking through his files, and I went, what's this? And he went, oh, I was just noodling around. And I went, that is a lead melody. Turn it up. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's, uh, it, it, we work very well together. Yes, and, uh, and, and after all these years, still, it, uh, it, it's, still it's still clicking. And Metroland, um, I like, because it, um, Sister Mary Says and uh, History of Modern... Let me see. Part two was the actual single. Had a you know a, a central riff that they were built around, kind of like an old gate. But with Metroland, it's it's a much like I said, it's a much more even tempo, and uh, the hook is really more in the vocal melody, which I think is really cool and a little different from those tracks. So hopefully more people. Yeah, will I agree mean with Metroland me. is a different is a different is a different kind of song. I mean, our label wanted us to release Dresden because yeah, it's that kind of high up tempo, mm -hmm. typical OMD pop song, if you like. Right, right. It's one of the reasons we teased with Decimal and Atomic Ranch and why we're leading with Metroland as the first single is this is about us re-establishing our, our position. You know, this is us really saying, we are back, this is what we do. Yeah. We are an electronic group. Yeah, and what's really cool, though, is you could drop a song like Atomic Ranch into any mix of, you know, of EDM at some dance club and people be like, yeah, yeah, this is cool. So, yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that, that I'm doing this thing for Atomic Ranch. I mean, I, I actually, the funny thing is that two years ago, <clears throat> I was talking to a guy who works for an ad agency and, and he, he asked us to do some music, put some music in, a, in um, some adverts. 
And he, he said, "What are you doing right now?" And I said, "Well, when I put the phone down, I'm going to go and um, going to go back to a song I'm writing called Atomic Ranch." And he went, "You're kidding me!" I said, well, I said, "Do you know the magazine?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, I love the magazine." He said, "Have you seen the hardback book?" Oh yeah. Uh, and yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, I've seen it. I haven't bought it yet because it's too heavy, and I've got to go home back to England." <laughs> he said, "It's my house on the front cover." This is a guy from L.A. called Tom Dolan. He's a, he works in an ad agency. And I emailed him six months ago and said, Tom, you know the people at Atomic Ranch? Would they like a CD of a song called Atomic Ranch as a giveaway cover mount? And I think originally and that was... nothing ever came of nothing ever came of it. And so I, uh -huh. I was curious to find out why you were interviewing before Atomic Ranch. But this obviously didn't come through him and didn't come through nope. our PR company. This was you generated. This. Just happened to be a fan of the magazine and the architectural style and OMD, all three of those mm. things. <laughs> it just kind of came together. Well, it's probably too late, and I bet Atomic Ranch never do cover mount CDs, but wouldn't it be cool to actually get a CD with the with Atomic Ranch and it had a song on it called Atomic Ranch? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they'll do that because it comes out... Um, uh, Mention it to Michelle. Sure, she says. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like maybe and maybe when you see her in Portland, you can uh, you can pitch the idea. That'd be cool. Yeah, because a lot of magazines do that. All right, great. Well, listen, I'm very excited about being in Atomic Ranch. I'm, yeah, I was really when this came through. I was just like, oh, cool, how cool. Yeah. So, I'm a fan of the magazine. It's, yes, um, as am I. It's a very cool magazine, and uh, so say hi to the people who make the magazine. Tell them that. Uh, I'll be looking forward to buying it when I'm back in America. In fact, to be honest, I need to actually take out a subscription and see if I'm posted abroad. But, um, I think she does, yeah. She yeah. Says they, have, they have international Very subscribers, exciting. yeah. And, um, um, this will be out in the I summer. I don't know we'll see you again, but we'll see you somewhere. I'm going to try and come to Chicago. It's on a Tuesday night, and my wife at this moment says, no, you're not going to Chicago on a Tuesday night. And so I'm going to try and... Uh, see if I can still swing that, though. But yeah, okay, no, it's a secret man, well, with me. Great to talk with you. Thank you very much indeed. All righty, sir. Hope to see you soon, then. Thanks okay, bye. This. All right, bye-bye. Thanks again to Andy McCluskey for being on the show. OMD's 12th studio album, English Electric, comes out Monday, April 8th in the UK, July 9th in North America, and I believe worldwide. And as Zane Lowe off of Radio 1 would say when he likes an album, it is fantastic. So make sure you check that out. OMD is on tour right now in North America, playing some West Coast dates through April, ending with a Coachella Festival in Los Angeles. Back to Europe for some dates. Back to North America for Midwest and East Coast dates in July. Go to omd.uk.com for all of the tour dates and find out when they're going to be playing near you. Oh, and Pierce the Veil also on tour. They are in Tulsa, Oklahoma, April 11th, Dallas, April 12th, San Antonio, April 13th, Houston, April 14th, and they go on into Florida. For more dates on Pierce the Veil, go to piercetheveil.net. I'm going to forego the usual credits because we're a little tight on time here. Um, OMD have shot the video for the second single from the album, and you're listening to what I think it's going to be uh, underneath me talking here. It's a song called Night Cafe, and uh, it is fantastic. Uh, it may be Dresden as the second single, but stay tuned. All right, uh, just one plug um, for Fangirl's uh, blog, uh, checkcheckhey.tumblr.com, I believe it is, and her photo blog as well. So you see some pictures from the Pierce the Veil show uh, and some other cool things as well. A lot of great guests coming up through April. Oh, and thank you so much 
so, so much to all of the most popular girl in the world fans who have really given us some lift. And not only did you stick around and listen to the interview with uh, Carlo and Mark, but you stayed around and listened to some other episodes. So thank you so, so much. Please stick with us, whether you're laughing uh, with me or laughing at me. I don't really care, as long as you're having fun. Uh, until next week, so long, and thanks for listening.